we are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hello. Good morning, good morning. Um, just encourage you to come and take your seats. And uh, how are we all doing? It's good. You can tell the Holy Spirit is amongst us when you're chatting so much. It's good. It's at work. Um, thanks for, for being with us today. Um, and it's, it's so good to just come and worship God together and, and just, yeah, give him all our praise and worship. My name's Chris and I lead the leadership team here at Centrepoint Church and uh, I just want to extend a welcome along with Kezia's to you. I'm so glad that you've come along. And uh, this week, this morning, we're going to be talking about giving financially. So you've picked a great morning to come along if it's your first time. And uh, for everyone, if you've been coming more than a week, then you will know that uh, we're, today is actually the last day we're going to be talking about money. And what we've been doing over the last um, three weeks, actually, is we've been looking at occasions in the Bible where the people of God came together to give for like a one-off free will offering uh, to God. And uh, so week one, we looked at Exodus as a moment where they're building the tabernacle and people came with all their different offerings and the onyx stones and all different types of materials to come and build and it's a one-off free will offering and then last week we looked at Philippians where Paul was uh, talking to them about the gift that they had given him in terms of the mission and this week we're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians uh, where we're going to see uh, hear about a Macedonian church who who came and gave a free will offering and Paul encouraging the Corinthian church to to do the same and um, there's lots in the Bible about giving actually and we've been mentioning this each week loads so it's biblical to talk about it about 15% of everything that Jesus taught is is to do with giving so we could talk about this for eight weeks but we're just doing three so less than half and um, there's lots in the Bible about regular giving out of your income and we're not we're not talking about that uh, although that is biblical and I would encourage you to do that and as we come to the end of a financial year it's always good for you to check about your regular uh, monthly giving or weekly giving uh, in proportion to your income but these are one-off free will special offerings and the three occasions that we've Oops, been looking at in the Bible to talk about these things. The reason why I've been looking at these things specifically, uh, because the people of God come together to give for all sorts of reasons, is because we are also uh, at Centrepoint Church here um, taking a special offering for these three things. And so last week and today, uh, um, at the end of today's preach, during worship, we're going to have a a special offering, a moment for you to give. And there for these three things, for building the church. What does that mean? Well, it's all, I mentioned that about week one, and it's all about us extending what, we're, what we currently do as a church in terms of being able to provide more courses, parenting courses, um, relationship courses, uh, more kind of uh, life explored courses to help, you know, just do what we do better and to extend like our, the building of the church. Uh, 
extending the mission I spoke last week about our community fun day this is like outreach and uh, so I mentioned this and on June the 1st put it in your diary it's just going to be an excellent day where we go out and we just bless our community we're not going out to preach the gospel at them we're not going out there to demand money from them we're not going out there for any other reason other than just then to just bless them and to let them know that just as God loves them so does Centerpoint Church and so we're going to have free bouncy castles and free food and free refreshments and stuff for every age range to be involved in we'll have live music and cakes and uh, it's just it's going to be a great day it's 11 till 2 put it in your diary we'll get the venue to you asap as soon as we've confirmed that with the council uh, we're at the latter stages of that but uh, put it in your diary it will it will happen and so i want to yeah, encourage you to to become be part of the church and uh, enjoy it bring your kids as well and, uh, and then we're also, so we're giving to those things, we're also giving to serving the poor, which is what I'm mainly going to be speaking about today. And um, every week, I've liked to start off by saying that whoever you are, whether you consider Centrepoint Church your home or not, that you, I want you to be completely released from any pressure any guilt, any coercion to do anything in these offerings. Just like we saw in last week and the week before from God's word, it was clear. Moses was clear to the Israelites and Paul was clear to the Philippians that the, these offerings are, they're kind of free will offerings. They're from what you have, people coming together to give and only if their heart has been moved and if they're willing and it's not under guilt or coercion. And as we look today in Corinthians, we will see that this moment was exactly the same. And so whether you're part of us or not, I want you to feel released. If you, if you feel that, please don't give because that's not the type of giving that we're looking for or that God is looking for in these moments. And uh, the, the last thing to mention is that no one likes to see a job half done. Some of you will think, oh, how are we doing so far? We've had week one, how are we doing? <coughs> well, we'll let you know the total next week, all right? But we're, do, we're doing well, and I want to encourage us, if you haven't had a chance to have an opportunity to give, then you got an opportunity today. Many people gave last week, and that was great. And so, you know, I'm not expecting you to give again today, unless you feel stirred to by God. Um, so later on, when it comes to the offering, it, you know, there'll be many people staying in their seats, and that's fine, because they gave last week. And, uh, and then there might be others that haven't, and that's good too, because you've got an opportunity to give. And then also, there were people last week that gave during the week, like online and things like that, and so I recognise that uh, there's, there's that opportunity well, as well. And so with these envelopes, if you, if you need to take one of those home so you've got the details, then feel free to do that as well. So let's talk about uh, serving the poor Corinthians. Um, so you can start to turn to chapter 8 and we'll be a bit in chapter 8 and chapter 9. Just as a bit of background whilst you're turning to it, um, we found that we went through the book of 1 Corinthians not long ago as a church and uh, we went through it over 16 weeks and we found that the Corinthian church was just in a real mess. I mean, it was all over the place. All sorts of stuff was going on. People were getting drunk at communion. They weren't treating each other fairly. There was all sorts of just mess in the church and Paul was really having a go at them. He was like, hey, come on guys, this is what church as God intended should be. And we looked at that and, and as we get into 2 Corinthians, some time has now passed and in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul kind of said, referring to his first letter, Paul says this, if I caused you sorrow by my letter, you know what, I don't regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but I know that it was only for a little while. 
Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made to be sorry or to to have grief, but because your sorrow turned and led to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended and so were not harmed in any way by us. Because godly sorrow brings repentance and that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. And so we find that as we get into 2 Corinthians, that church was in a complete mess, has turned itself around, has heard the words of Paul and is now living as God has intended them to. And Paul, the whole, 2 Corinthians is a lovely letter actually as you read through it and you think, wow, they've really turned it around. And uh, Paul's got lots of really great stuff to say to them and, uh, and that includes talking to them about money. The second thing to mention is that Corinth was a really well-off place. It wasn't a poor place. It was a hub of commerce and philosophy and trade. It had two ports, and so there was lots of trade coming in and out. It was a real centre of economy, and this was a rich church. It had a lot of money. It was um, in a commuter city. Lots of people would commute from other cities to this city and from this city to other major cities. And um, it was in a well-established location, very similar to Guildford's, you could say. And the third thing to mention, just about part of background before we read it, is that there was another church in Jerusalem that wasn't like Corinth. It was much poorer. It had been persecuted. The church had been scattered. There was also a famine going on in Jerusalem at the time. And this church was really struggling. And so at the end of 1 Corinthians, we find that Paul asked the Corinthians, I want you to gather together and to start collecting money um, because we're going to give it to this church to help them because they're in need, because they're poor. There's no food, they're scattered, they're being persecuted and we want to help them. And we find at the beginning of 2 Corinthians that Paul's plans change and he's not able to have got to them and to get the money. And so now as we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he wants to encourage them, hey, don't, don't stop collecting the money. We will come and collect it. And um, it's for the poor. It's for those other, those other like, congregations that are poor around and, and we want to help you help them. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to read the passage and basically we're going to do it like a bit of a Bible study in the sense that we're just going to read a bit of a time and just talk about it. So I've not got like three points today or five points or two points or one week I had ten points. I don't have that. Today we're just going to just read and talk and read and talk and just see what God says to us. Okay? And then um, I'm going to talk about how we're going to give 10% of everything we receive. Uh, to two different charities, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to hear uh, some stories about those as well, and then we're going to come back and worship and give. Is that okay? Does that make sense? Fab. So hopefully you found it by now. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It will appear on the screen also. It says this, And now, brothers and sisters, what we, what we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Just pause there. The Macedonian churches were a group of churches that were in extreme um, poverty. They, they, had, they, they were almost worse than Jerusalem, um, but they were in extreme poverty. But they wanted to be part of the Jerusalem solution. And, um, and we'll see more about that in a minute. And so they're struggling, and Paul is... Talking about giving, he wants to say, oh, I want to take, let, let me tell you a story about another church and their giving. He goes on, verse 2. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That kind of equation doesn't make sense to me. Often when I hear 
um, severe trial and extreme poverty, that equals lack of giving, low money and depression. And instead, we hear in verse 1, let me tell you about the grace that God has blessed them with. And that grace plus joy um, equals a welling up of rich generosity, even in the face of affliction and poverty. I mean, that's remarkable that you could have these things that grace plus joy plus extreme affliction plus, plus poverty equals a welling up in rich generosity. And that's what's, that's what's gone on with the Macedonian church. And he goes on, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. And they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. You know, this church, when you get grace, grace is an unearned, undeserved gift of God, freely given by God to us. We receive that in the person of Jesus Christ when we put our trust in him. It's this gift that God gave by his son to send Jesus. And when, when someone understands grace, you get that, um, that giving isn't a duty it isn't, uh, oh, it isn't like, um, this is all my money and maybe I'll give away this little bit. Actually, it's completely different. And they talk about this as a privilege. It's like, wow, they pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And um, when you, I guess when you get grace, you understand that everything you have, your clothes, your family, your car, your mind, your brain, your ability to work hard for the Lord, your ability to earn income, all of it was God's. God gave it to you all as a free gift. You didn't choose where you were born. You didn't choose in what family you were born to. You didn't choose where you got your education. Uh, you, all of those are given to you as a gift. And when you understand all this is God's, that God gave it to me as a gift, well, then I'm called as a, as a Christian. If you're not a Christian, don't worry, you're not. But if you are a Christian, then you're called to steward everything you have. So your family, your finance, your, your friendships, your, everything you have, you're called to steward that in a godly way. And so when it comes to then giving, rather than thinking, oh, this is all mine, maybe I'll you think, this is all God's. What can I give back to him? Or this is all God's, what shall I keep to help me to do the things that I need to do? We're not called to live in extreme poverty, like, so don't, don't mishear me. We're, you know, God wants to bless us abundantly, I think, in many ways. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel, so don't <laughs> mishear me there either. Um, what I'm saying is that when we recognise that everything we have is God's anyway, then giving some of it away, it, it does, somehow doesn't seem quite as painful. And so we can urgently ask, Chris, give me the opportunity to give. And I'll say, yeah, no, no problem. Let's do a special offering. I'm giving you an opportunity. And uh, that's, this is what was going on because Paul was looking at this Macedonian church and thinking, guys, you, you guys are struggling. You, you need the money to help yourself to live. And they're like, no, no, please give us an opportunity to help to share the grace that God has given us to these other churches. We, we know we're struggling, but hey, we can share this grace too. And um, yeah, it's that, that thing that uh, Catherine and Kezia were bringing through our meeting about uh, the rocks crying out and all this stuff. You know what? He doesn't, he doesn't need your money. God, God, God is at work building his church, extending his kingdom. He will do it whether we're involved or not. 
we get the privilege to partner with him in the call that he has given us. And it's an amazing joy and it's an amazing privilege when, when we get that. And uh, this Macedonian church got that and Paul wanted to tell the Corinthians about it. He says, hey, this is what's going on. And he carries on verse 5 about them. And not only did they give, but they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Throughout these weeks, as we've been looking in Exodus and in Philippians, in every single situation, first of all, people give themselves to God. In Exodus, we, we heard about how they gave to the Lord for the work of building the tabernacle. In here, they're giving to the Lord. First of all, they gave themselves to the Lord. Lord, I'm yours. Do whatever you want. Have your, your way be done in my life. And through that, they, they gave. They gave to the work. They gave to, to Paul for the, for the mission of serving the poor. So it carries on. And so we urge Titus. Titus is a co-worker with Paul, a bit like Timothy. Timothy went to the Philippians and collected the money from Philippi. Titus is going to come to Corinth and serve Paul by coming to Corinth and help them there. And so we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So this is now talking to the Corinthians. But since you excel in everything... I mean, that's, that's one to pause for. We heard about how bad Corinthian, Corinth is in 1 Corinthians, and now Paul's saying, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, it's like, wow, there's a complete transformation in the Corinthian church. They are now excelling in all these things rather than causing division and damage in these things. And since you, you do that, and in the love that we have kindled in you, because they're obviously showing love to each other now rather than hatred and division, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. It's, 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 it's out of grace that we give. It, this unearned, undeserved, unmerited gift that we receive, we give freely. It's an unearned, undeserved gift that we give to help the poor. Uh, whether it's their fault or not their fault, we want to serve and we want to help those in need and that's what they're doing here you could argue that the Jerusalem church it was their fault because right at the beginning when you read in Acts um, you read about how the church gathered together and no one was in need and everyone sold all their stuff and they they shared it around freely and some commentators would say that they just went over the board they, they kind of didn't really they they weren't really managing their finances well and they just kind of like kind of gave it all away and so then when it came to affliction and hardship suddenly oh we've got no money we need help we need help and uh, it's kind of a good problem to have in a, in a sense but um, the churches they could have the point is this they could have said well it's their own fault they, they had plenty they were fine and now famine comes and look at them they've got nothing should we just leave them to it no they don't do that why don't they do that because that's not grace grace is giving an unearned undeserved unmerited gift freely you know there's many people in our society who get themselves into all sorts of problems and situations and you know we I used to go into a prison regularly where I used to live and go and talk to the prisoners and just bring the word of God and help them in that way um, we would help the ex once they've left prison we'd help them to find jobs and we'd invite them to the church and we'd you'd have to have all sorts of safeguarding stuff around that but we would help them we'd, we'd go to food bank and and we do that here and CAP, which is a debt management course, and all sorts of people get into all sorts of problems, and often it's their fault. But we don't say, oh, we don't check people and say, well, is this your fault or is this like a natural disaster? And I'll give to the natural disaster, but no, no, because that's not grace. 
in the same way that God doesn't do that to us. He doesn't do that to us, does he? He freely pulls out his son that any, all who believe in him can come and know him. And so that's, this, is, this is all a grace gift. Um, yeah, so, blah, blah, blah. yeah, excel in the grace of giving. I'm not, here you go, verse 8, this is good. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of, of others. He's, he's, like, he's equating love for God, love for each other with how they give. I want to test, I want to see how much do you really love God. So, you know, I mentioned last week that uh, someone once said the greatest statement of faith is your bank statement. Um, someone else said it like this, that um, it often takes, uh, when someone becomes a Christian, there's like three conversion moments. The conversion of the mind, the conversion of the heart, and then the conversion of the wallet. And often the wallet is the last one to kind of be converted. And as God speaks to you and as you receive grace and know grace and, and understand all his riches in you, then, then we start to understand, oh, okay, no, no, I want to give freely, I want to help, I want to serve. And he said, oh, I'm not commanding you, but I just want to see, what's, what's your love like in this? And he goes on, verse 9, For I know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... He's given an example that though he was rich in heaven with God, yet for your sake he became poor, humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. So that through his poverty, through his shame, through, through his suffering, through his dying on the cross, you might become rich and know the Father in heaven, that you might have a relationship with him, that you might be able to walk with him and know joy and peace and happiness and value and dignity and purpose in your life. And that's why Jesus came to this earth and he died so that you could have a relationship with the Father again because you were separated from him. That's what your sin did. Your sin separated yourself from God the Father. And you were made to be in relationship with him. And so often we try to fill that gap by filling it with, with stuff, with houses and cars and fashion and sex and, and power and fame. We try to fill it with those things, but they never last. And so it's easy. You look at our celebrities and our culture. And are they any happier than anyone else? I don't think so. Yeah, sure, they might have more stuff and they might live in more comfort. And then you look at people in third world countries, developing countries, and who meet in church, who gather under just a tarpaulin, and that's all they've got, and they're singing God's praises. And they're joyous. Okay, we haven't got anything, but you know what we do have is the grace of God in our lives. We have purpose, value, dignity, just the same. And in the same way in this country, that we, yeah, we, we might have lots, we might have little, but we can come before our living Father and say, hey, Lord, everything I have is yours. Thank you. Thank you for blessing me. I want to bless others. And so... Our God, we were saying, our God is the lion and the lamb. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? He is at work moving throughout the world. He's bringing people to know him, bringing people into our identity and into the knowledge of him. And that is all happening. And we get a part to be, we get to play our part in that. And it's all, you know, Jesus is our example in all of this. And so we look to Jesus and that's what they did. First I gave to the Lord. Then I give to the work. I look to Jesus and see all that he's done for me. And it's out of that that I can then come and give. And he goes on, um, verse 10. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, we were, yeah, you were the first, not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. 
Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. I think these are wonderful verses because I, I find this in my life all the time. I want to go on a diet and I will say, right, on Monday, Monday's the day, apparently it's the magic day. On Monday, I'm going to start eating well. Or I, I want physical activity. On Monday, I'm going to start running every day or I'm going to stop doing that sin. On Monday... Lord, just let me get through the weekend. But on Monday, I'm going to start and I'll start and I'm going to live for you. And, and we have all these desires and willingness. And Paul is saying, hey, you had the willingness. On Monday, I'm going to give. And you had the willingness. And now he's saying, oh, I want to encourage you. Now, now complete it. Let your willingness match your completion of the work. And so I want to encourage you to, to finish what God had encouraged you to do in the first place. And he adds, according to your means. It has to be according to your means. It can't, you can't, oh yes, Lord, I want to give you £10,000, but if I haven't got it, I can't give it, can I? It's got to be according to my means. Lord, let me win the lottery so I can give the, the money to the church. Well, it's a futile prayer. It's a silly, it's, it's a miniature prayer. If you haven't got it, look at what you've got. And out of what we have, we come to give. It goes on, for the willingness is there. The gift, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. It's, it's all there. It's all there in Scripture, isn't it? God, like, God, through his word, is clear all the way through that as we come and give a free will offering, it's, it's not what, out of what we don't have, it's out of what we have. And then um, I'm going to skip into chapter 9. So in chapter 9, verse 6, it then says this, he's Paul kind of summing up all of that, all that stuff that he's, because he kind of, the rest of chapter eight is in like different details. One of the, the headings is like, like kind of instructions on how to give and it's all that kind of like detail. And then in chapter nine, he kind of sums it all together and he says, the point is this, or remember this, as it says in the NIV, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously he kind of uses he takes this agricultural picture um and we're not really an agricultural nation anymore but back then straight away they get it and and i'm sure you can if you think about it a little bit that if you're a farmer and you're walking around your field and you kind of you got your seed and you you kind of take one seed i'll put that there I'll take one seed i'll put that there i'll take one seed I'll put that there. and you sow sparingly well not all of those seeds are going to come to to fruition are they because the birds will come and eat it and all sorts might happen. And, and as you sow sparingly, that farmer will reap sparingly. He'll have a, a low yield, a low harvest. My dad used to be a farmer, but they had tractors then, not, not back then. Anyway. Um, and, but if you sow sparingly, if you're lavish, oh, abundant, and you're throwing the seeds everywhere, and it can land, then when the birds might come and they might eat some and others might not take, take soil, but the chances of your harvest yielding a, a great abundance is much greater. It's logical, isn't it? It's ob obvious. And, and so Paul says, hey, come on. All, think about all of this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will eat generously. And then he finishes up by saying this in verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And um, 
I, I find that amazing that the good work is giving. And so it's basically saying that God is able to bless you abundantly so that you can give. And he'll give you everything you need so that you can give. And as you sow the seed, he'll give it back to you so that you can give. And it's like this cycle of God giving his grace and then you, you giving it back to him and then him giving you more and then you giving it back to him and him giving you more and then him giving it back to, you, back to him. And again, it's, it's not reluctantly or under compulsion. God isn't asking us to come. It's quite clear. Oh, sorry, I don't know why I moved on. It's quite clear isn't it, in that verse that um, God loves a cheerful giver. And so he doesn't just love a giver. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not asking us to come and just give. Just give, come on, pay your tax, pay up, cough up, just give. He's not, he's not asking for that. Because just giving, it doesn't affect really our hearts. It doesn't, it doesn't affect that. He's not asking you out of duty to come and give. Because that is reluctance. That's compulsion. He, he's not, that's, not, that's not what God wants. He wants a cheerful giver. He wants a heart moved, a heart stirred. A heart willing, a heart which comes and looks at what they have, and out of what they have, they come and, Lord, it's not a lot, but what it is, I'm able to give to you. I'm willing, I'm joyful. You know, that's, um, that's what we're, only what we're ever called to do. God gives so that we can give, and all giving is grace giving. We were singing, Hosanna. Hosanna. That was why I'm not on the worship team. And um, we were singing that, and one of the lines is, break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I have for your kingdom cause. What a great song. And um, as we sing, that's, that's what we're asking God, like, break, yeah, break my heart for what breaks yours. I want to know, Lord, what are you doing in this place? Help me to, to follow your heart, to follow what you're doing. It's, it's like a heart issue. And... Um, yeah, there's a, there's a psalm. Psalm 1 says this. Blessed is not the man who walks in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And, and all those things, there's like three trios. And blessed is the man, not that who walks, stands and sits in those things, and then it goes on instead, but instead, but delights in the law of the Lord. It's like in, in the, the law means the instruction of God. Blessed is the man who delights in the instruction of God. Day and night he meditates on his word. And, and it goes on, and all that he does prospers. You know, the, 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 anic, the antidote to not walking, standing and sitting in wickedness and sin is not to actively do something else to start being physical with something else. The anecdote to that is to delight. It's a profound mystery of the heart when God comes in and changes your heart and, and shows you his son and reveals himself to you. That is the anecdote to have a heart change. And I believe this is what Paul is getting at as he says, hey, cheerful giving. As your heart has changed, your heart has been stirred, you're able to throw off sin and walk in all the way that God has called you to. And you're able to give, not just of your money, but of your, your service, of your life, of your family. And you say, God, all I am is yours. Everything I have for your kingdom's cause. Amen? That's, that's what God's looking for this morning. And that's what I want to encourage you to allow God to be working in your heart 
with. And so we're, we're coming to serving for the poor. And uh, let me, first of all, uh, in a minute, I'm just going to invite someone up to ch- chat to us. Before I do, let me just tell you about, uh, there's two things we're going to give to. So 10% of everything we receive, we're going to give away. And uh, we normally, as a church, with all the income that we receive, we give to these 11 charities. And they're, they're brilliant. They do a great job. Eight of them are local to Guildford, meeting the needs of people in Guildford right here in our city. And we give to them every single month. Out of everything we receive from a monthly basis, we give to them. And uh, over the year, that, that equates to several thousands of pounds. And, um, and so we do that altogether. It's about 15,000 pounds we give away every single year to all that God is calling us, uh, is encouraging us to do and equipped in our city. So eight of those are... Uh, local. One of them is a national True Freedom Trust. It's a national thing. It works all across our across the UK. And uh, you've got an apostolic one. It's commission. That's the family of churches we're part of, and we're working all round, round, right around the world to start new churches, to in- equip leaders, to encourage churches, to resource them, to help them. It's great to have Guy Miller next week. I want to encourage you all to yeah, bring your mums, come here to hear Guy, who's the leader of our sphere of churches called Commission. And then the other one is Kabira. And Kibera is in Kenya, and it's a safe house there. And um, as uh, we were just um, preparing to, to give some money away, I felt it would be good, actually, to give to something else also in Kenya. And Compassion is one of these... Um, uh, it's an international thing that we want to give to. And Compassion, they run a child survival unit, and uh, they run them all around the world, actually. Uh, but the one we're going to give to is also in Kenya, uh, part of the thinking of that is in the future, if we were able to do a trip to Kenya as a church, you know, take 10, 15 people, I'd love us to go. And then we could visit Kibera, the safe house, and we could also visit uh, the child survival unit that we're going to give money to. And in Kenya, there's currently about 75% unemployment. There are um, 43% of Kenyans living on under, uh, like, a pound a day. And um, that's, like, real poverty. Um, we... There is, um, uh, I think, 41% of Kenyans, when they give birth, don't have a trained medical staff member with them. And um, about 42% of children that are born are malnourished, either severely or moderately. And malaria, in most Kenyans, is about 40% in, in children under one years old. And do you know that 17,000 babies every day die to preventable causes like these? I mean, that's just astonishing. 17,000 every day. And do you know what? We can help to do something about it. And Compassion, they run something called a child survival unit. That is a unit that gets a lot, that, that is run, partnering with other churches. So uh, a church in different locations will set up a child survival unit. They'll be trained and they'll have some paid staff members and some volunteers to basically care for mothers and their babies from zero to one. And in that year, what they do is they get alongside mothers and they teach them all sorts of things like basic reading, writing and math skills because of the unemployment so high they want to help 
help them to get jobs. They help to provide workshops on income-generating skills, like teach them how to sew and start making a little living for themselves. They give them nutritional support. They involve fathers and have men's seminars because men, they don't get involved in the children, they, and they're helping the men to get involved. They um, help to transition children into their sponsorship programme, which comes later on. They visit homes. They help um, mums just know about just general health and well-being so that the baby has more chance of surviving and so where um, births attended by a trained medical staff in Kenya is 41% in those places which have a compassion child survival unit it's 98% whereas um, like severe malnutrition is 42% it's just 5% with those that are supported by a child survival project with where malaria is 40% that's cut down to 10% and it's so it's not extinguished it's still there but they're, doing, they're making significant gains for people. And so one of the things we're going to do is we're going to give to the child survival um, unit in a place called Embu in Kenya. And, um, and that, so that's part of the money the money's going to go towards. Okay? And I'll, I can send out some more information about that if you'd like to know more uh, over the week. The second thing we're going to give to then is just as we are supporting a child survival unit to help mothers and babies in Kenya, do you know what? Just because we live in Guildford and in a more well-off place in the world, it doesn't mean that there isn't any problems here. Actually, there are many families that can, can struggle and um, can, can need support and help. And so um, the... Um, Homestart is a charity in, in Guildford that supports families all across Guildford to help them in bringing, bringing up their children, helps them in all sorts of different situations like postnatal depression, isolation, illness, and it helps to, you know, whether there's been abuse or anything like that, it helps to, it's a great charity that helps to support people. And, and so this is one of the things we're going to give to, and Jean is just going to come and give us a bit more information about that. Can we give her a massive SensePoint welcome as she comes to do that? My younger son was about a few weeks old and Reuben was a toddler of about 19 or 20 months. Um, as Chris mentioned, there are a number of reasons why people might be referred to Homestart. I was referred by the health visitor to Homestart because I had two under two, under the age of two, and also because of my deafness. Um, Reuben was turning into a very little chatterbox at that time. And um, lip reading is quite hard work as it is, but trying to lip read a toddler is harder. Plus, um, Reuben had this thing about making up words. So I would spend several minutes trying to understand him, and then eventually I'd give in and ask Stuart, and Stuart would say, oh, he's just talking rubbish. And I would wasted all that energy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's quite hard. I was quite tired. So um, I was referred to home start, and um, they assessed me. And it took a couple of months, and then I was um, allocated a volunteer called Lee. And um, she would come for two hours every week um, in the afternoon and she would look after Ruben and sometimes Cameron as well so that I could take that time to go and have a rest and um, have a break. And I so appreciated having that two hours guaranteed every week of having a break. She stayed with me for nine months and during that time I gradually became less tired and I was even able to do things like a bit of laundry while she was... <laughs> With us, um, and I really appreciated her support and uh, sort of advice that she gave. She was an experienced mum, and she'd been a teacher 
as well. So she was really helpful when Ruben entered the Tower of the Twos and we had various challenges associated with that. So um, I just wanted to share my story so you know a bit about what they do. Wonderful. So, um, can we get the band back up? We're going to... Uh, by the way, uh, Pam, uh, who volunteers with Homestart, um, has got to have a table out by the Costa Coffee area. And so if you want to know more information about them and what they do in Guildford, then, then you can. Uh, you can find out more uh, after the break. And so, as we come together... Um, to, to worship God and to give. Let me just remind you about what we've been doing because we're Centrepoint Church and we're called to build church as God intended here in Guildford. This includes caring for one another, equipping and building the church to be all that God has intended us to be in this city and beyond. We're Centrepoint Church and we're called to extend our mission. And in specifically in Guildford, we're looking at doing that through several outreach events. And the first one's on June the 1st, as we get to just demonstrate God's grace, God's unearned, undeserved gift to our community through our Community Fund Day. We are Centrepoint Church. We take God's word seriously, never to forget the poor. We serve the poor in our community and around the world. We love to do that. And we do that through volunteering, as well as through giving, and as well as through praying. Why don't we stand together? We've heard these weeks, haven't we, that first we gave ourselves to the Lord, then we give ourselves to the work. And so what we're going to do is we're going to stand and worship. Let me, let me just pray and uh, we'll sing. Father God, I just want to thank you for your words to us today. Thank you for the wonderful example of the Macedonian churches. Lord, thank you for the amazing example of Corinth, how they've cha changed it around as they're moving into all that it means to be called, called a church of the living God, to be people of the living God. And I pray, Lord God, that here in Guildford, would you help us to establish a church that is built on your word, that is uh, in love with you, Lord God, that shares that love with all the people around us, that we would be known as the people that have met with Jesus and that, and that through that, Lord God, that just lives are transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.